Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's episode 339, and we've got a really great guest this week, folks. It's Val Giesler. And Val, uh, would you like to quickly introduce my co-host is shaking her head of my, my, even though I practice what's own butchery of our guest's name. Geisler. Geisler. Oh, yeah. God. Well, Geisler. I do apologize, Well, um, No, that's all right. It's not uh, the easiest name. I'm not a Smith. That or... actually is quite easy compared to some of them. Uh, but... I'm no Denwood. <laughs> oh, dear. It was all going so well. Uh, Val, can you quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, sure. So I'm Val Geisler. Uh, <laughs> I am an email conversion strategist and I work with B2C software and e-commerce businesses on lifecycle emails. So that looks like onboarding campaigns, uh, retention campaigns, anything that is that like campaign cycle. Um, those are the emails I live and breathe for. I am weirdly obsessed with email and uh, do everything I can to make it better um, and and more human. Right. I'd like to introduce to my semi-cruel co-host, Cindy Nicholson. But she was right as well. Cindy, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? It's a good thing my last name's easy for you to pronounce, Jonathan. Nicholson, you kind of can't go wrong with that one. <laughs> it's just, a, it's, I, I'm going to have to, it's becoming psychological now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Nicholson. I'm from the CourseWhisper.co, where I help uh, entrepreneurs who want to create uh, online courses, uh, create raving fans from them. That's great. And before we have our main conversation with Val about emailing, onboarding, emphasis on membership websites mm. and course creators like yourself, listeners, I just want to quickly tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that is WP Fusion. And what is WP Fusion? In your technology stack, you should have two main parts, which should be your WordPress website and your CRM. And Basically, what WP Fusion puts the communication between WordPress and your CRM, and WP Fusion supports over 40 different CRMs, is it puts it on steroids, especially if you're dealing with a membership site. Um, it enables how you can send different emails to different parts of people that go to different parts of your membership site. It, it's really amazing the different things you can do and it's really easy to set up. So go to the WP Fusion site and the great thing, they're giving us a great coupon code, which is only for you listeners and viewers. If you use WP Tonic or uppercase one word, you get 25% of any of the WP Fusion packages. And that's solely for you listeners and viewers. So I suggest you go over, buy one of those packages and start using it with WordPress and your CRM. So into the conversation, Val. Um, emails 
with emphasis with people that got a membership website what what are you seeing people doing slightly wrong maybe that's a good start to conversation what do you think bill oh gosh uh that is a can of worms um <laughs> well do you want to so, start with something else or do you think it's- <laughs> no uh it's so i write email onboarding teardowns on my blog and i am a email hoarder. I collect emails and um, I'm the one that's out there signing up for your lists and and investigating what you're doing on Oh, on you're that emails. person. <laughs> yeah, I'm that person junking up your subscriber count. Um, but I'm just one person, so it's not too bad. Uh, but I, I do see a lot of, I see a lot of good things happening in email. Um, and I see a lot of mistakes being made. And I'm, I'm very careful to say that it's not bad things that are happening in email. There's no, um, I'm not a believer in best practices, but there are better practices and there are better ways to do email. Um, and every person will tell you, every email expert will tell you something different uh, about what works and what doesn't. Someone's going to tell you um, HTML-based templates and tons of images and uh a, a hamburger bar and looking like a website inside of an email, all those things are, that's the cutting edge of email and that's what you should be doing. And someone else like me would tell you plain text emails convert a lot better. And so I'm not saying don't have images or GIFs or videos or anything you want, um, just to make them more text-based because they're more friendly, they're more human. It's, uh, it's received as a person reaching out to a person and not a, a business or a corporation that wants my money. Um, it's less transactional and more relational. So I think that's the biggest uh, thing that I see happening. And even for uh, e-commerce businesses or, or product-based businesses where you have something physical you want to show off, um, and even for courses, you want to show off this beautiful interface you spent all this time building and these workshops, worksheets that you had somebody create for you into PDFs and you have all the beautiful images and you want to show those off in your emails. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in saving, knowing the difference between transactional and relational. And those relational, relationship-based, relationship-building emails should really be text-based. Um, so not text-only, but text-based, uh, meaning like 60% text in that email. And then those transactional emails, the ones that are more sales-focused or um, you know, focused on a, a card abandonment or um, even a, a receipt, those can be more image and graphic heavy. Uh, maybe that's 60% graphics in that case. Um, but, you know, knowing the difference between the two types of emails you're sending and, and then even striking a balance between those. So you're not only ever sending transactional. And on the other side of it, not only ever sending relationship-based or you don't have a business, you have a hobby. That's great. Cindy? Yeah, so it's interesting because with when it comes to online courses or membership sites, I, I'm intrigued by your specialty being in onboarding. Mm. So, you know, if, if we can kind of make the link to, you know, somebody signs up for a membership site or uh, their online course, you know, that that initial communication, I think, is really crucial to help, you know, the help the individual want to continue on and complete the course or stay engaged in the membership site. So 
you know, based on your experience creating, you know, onboarding emails, what what kind of piece of advice would you give to, uh, you know, course creators that, um, you know, uh, want to create a really positive onboarding experience for their, their students? Yeah. So there's no magic formula. It is different for every single audience. Um, and I, I swear that one day I'm going to give a keynote at an email conference and I'm just going to walk out and say, it depends and test it and just walk off the stage. Cause that's kind of the bottom line with email is that you always want to be iterating and it really depends on your audience. However, I have a, a bit of a formula, something I call the dinner party strategy. And it's just a good way to think about email onboarding. So the dinner party strategy is applying what you might do if you were hosting a dinner party in your home to your onboarding experience through email. So that looks like you know, when somebody comes over for a dinner party, you welcome them into the home. Hopefully you have like your front light on, um, you know, you take their coat and maybe offer them a drink. If they've never been to your home before, you let them know where the bathroom is or point, you know, show them around a little bit and, and offer them a place to sit and relax and enjoy their just being there. And that's the way you want to start your onboarding experience as well. So that initial email is just a, a warm welcome, a you are in the right place. Um, I'm so glad you're here. I want to get to know you better. So you're not going in with a sale right away, pushing any particular product right away. Um, they've If they've already bought your course, because we're talking about the onboarding experience of once they've made a purchase. So they've, they've already bought your course. They've already signed up for your thing. So once they're there, just welcome them. They've made the decision. You want to make sure they feel really good about their decision. They feel good about coming over to your house for dinner. Um, so then maybe you serve an appetizer. And in the case of email onboarding, that looks like um, here's a, a little bonus piece, um, something I created that is maybe buried in the heaping pile of content you got inside the membership site that I want to make sure you, you get a taste of. Um, and so sending that over as here's a little taste of what's to come. The next email, the next thing that happens at a dinner party is a main course is served. Um, so everyone's seated, you've had your appetizers, maybe your salads, and you serve the main course. So now this is the third email of a welcome series. Now you can really dig into the course materials. Where should they be in the, in the process? Um, what should they be experiencing? And that, that varies depending on, again, your particular product and whether it's a membership site or a course. Um, but you're just now presenting the main concept that you are, um, that you're tackling. So then after the main course is served, maybe there's um, some side dishes that go with that. And side dishes to me are more like bonus content. Oh, hey, so we, you know, you're here in this membership site or you bought the course. Did you know I have a podcast? or have a YouTube channel. Um, here, here's our Facebook community, or here's the, the forum section of our membership site. Those little bonuses that help them engage even more. So side dishes always complement the, the main uh, course. So you want to make sure that it's like a compliment, something that they are getting more value out of. Um, then there's dessert. And so the dessert, uh, hopefully there's dessert at your dinner parties. Uh, so dessert at your, in your onboarding strategy is, um, you know, just 
another way for them to engage. It's that that yummy little thing. Um, maybe you offer an, a bonus one-on-one call or some kind of bonus that um, that they can they can get during that onboarding period only, right? Um, and then an invite back. So the invite back, just like if you have people over to dinner, hopefully they enjoyed the dinner and you did too. You want them to come back. So you do the same thing in your onboarding sequence. You're always encouraging them to come back in, um, experience the product again, experience more pieces of the course, more sections of the membership site, um, and just continuing to keep them engaged. So that's like the initial onboarding sequence. Then there's retention that goes beyond that. Um, but getting those those sets of emails out, that's six-ish, six or seven emails, um, out early on will really establish the relationship as one that they can trust you. They know you're not there to just push information down their throat, uh, but that you're there to be of value to them and serve them. And that's really what the dinner party strategy is all about. Yeah, no, it's true. The um, I think it often gets overlooked. You know, the people worry about the content and all of the technology, but they're not thinking about you know the what they can do in those first initial stages of building that relationship. So the dinner party analogy is kind of a a good way to think about it in terms of what would I, what stage are they at right now, and what should I be offering? So that's good. Yeah. And, you know, it's really about helping them get comfortable. And I think as creators, we're so excited to share all of our knowledge, everything. But I built all of this information, especially if you have a membership course that maybe you or a membership site you've run for a period of time. You might think, I have all this stuff to give them. And they don't want all of that stuff right away. They'll get it over time. Uh, You just want to build that relationship so that they do stick around and keep wanting to get stuff over time. That's great. You might be hungry, Val. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back with our great conversation with Val geezer um I, and it gave me the opportunity to have a snack with it folks i'll be back in a few moments do you want to spend more time making money online then use wp tonic as your trusted wordpress developer partner they will keep your wordpress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money examples of wp tonic's client services are landing pages page layouts widgets updates and modifications WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. I was hungry. I've had a stack. But so we continue the discussion. Uh, um, so I thought that was fabulous, um, what you said in the first half. Well, it was a great um, explanation of a sequence of email and how you should approach it. So, you know, one of our sponsors is WP Fusion, and you've you got a lot now with Active Campaign Drip, and there's loads of them, about segmenting your lists and sending. You got any thoughts about that? Because the only thing is... Um, it's a bit like running before you can walk. You know, I think a lot of people get very intimidated by this new possibilities in a way. You've got any kind of ways, insights about how somebody should approach after they've done that series of six email that you described in the first half, how they should utilize the CRM? 
Yeah. So I, a lot of people get very intimidated by the idea of segmenting and it tends to stop people before they've even started. Now things have email marketing service providers have gotten our software to a place where we can do all of these things. And it's, it's very similar to, a, to that dinner party strategy where you don't want to overwhelm people with all the information right, right away. Um, and so if someone's getting started with email marketing, just get started. Send it to everybody. Uh, don't worry about segmenting. Just get some emails out there. Get comfortable with emailing people, um, writing for email, all of those things that, that can help you feel like, okay, I'm seeing this email thing work and, and pay off and I'm building relationships. So now how do I take it to the next level? And that is where segmenting comes in. So my, my first tip is don't start with segmenting unless you've been emailing for a long time and maybe you're starting to build out a new course or membership site and you want to build segmenting in from the very beginning. Um, but once you've gotten started and you feel really comfortable with email, then you can look at segmenting. And segmenting is simply sending the right message to the right person. Um, so it's saying, you know, these the, the tag on these subscribers means that they don't need this particular email or this particular message. There are some of these uh, email service providers offer what they call conditional text, where within one email, you can have different paragraphs for people depending on the tag that's applied to them. And if hearing that sentence is overwhelming, then just ignore this whole thing of segmenting for now, right? But if it's something that's interesting to you, then start to think about how you might change your messages based on how people are tagged. Um, for instance, right before this recording, I sent out an email to my list about uh, two different webinars that I'm hosting, one webinar, one workshop. And so pe people who are already registered for the workshop got a different paragraph in the middle of it. It says, you're already registered, so you don't need to do anything. Versus people who aren't tagged as registered, they got, here's where you can register and save some money in the process. Um, so, you know, thinking about that experience of the individual message and helping people feel, again, that it's a relationship, it's a one-to-one, -one, and segmenting can do that when you, when you do it right. Uh, if, if it's overwhelming and if it's done rushed or poorly, then it can actually be harmful. So it's better to just ignore segmenting if you're overwhelmed by it, get some help, read some documentation, um, attend a webinar, get, you know, ask somebody who's an expert in it before you do it, try some segmenting on a small group of people, see how that works out and then advance your skills from there. I, the, this was, it was years before I tried that like conditional text inside of an email. I just did segmenting entire emails um, before I got comfortable enough to know what liquid text was, how to change things. Um, so, you know, again, if it's overwhelming, leave it and say, that's nice for everyone else. I'm just going to send an email <laughs> and know that your software most likely has the capability when you're ready for it. Oh, that was great. Thanks for that. Cindy. So again, you know, I send messages out to my, my list, um, email messages. And so sometimes, you know, I face that blank kind of screen and thinking, what yeah. should I write about? Um, 
Do you have any thoughts or advice around, you know, if you are facing that kind of writer's block, how to overcome it when you go to um, send a message to your your, um, audience? Yeah. Uh, My favorite trick is to put a person's name at the top of the the email. Also, get out of your email program. So write in a Google Doc or something, you know, somewhere that is more designed for writing. And then you can copy paste into your email program. But at the very top of that document, put someone's name. And so... If I'm writing an email to you, Cindy, I would literally type Cindy at the top of the document and and then write an, a message to you. If I'm writing to you about my workshop, then I'm going to say, hey, Cindy, uh, I know I've talked about this before and you might have seen a tweet here and there, but here's this, the details on this workshop. There have been some questions from some other people. So here are, they, here are my you know, frequently asked questions and answers. And just write the email like you're writing to an individual person. And then when you copy paste it into your, into your ESP, then you just take that name out. Make sure you take that name out and do the personalization first name. Um, but that's the easiest way to get over the writer's block of what do I even write? Because ultimately, we want to build that one-to-one relational, relational experience. And putting someone's name on something is the best way to do that from your end. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's funny. It, it applies to that whole um, tip applies to a lot of things, especially if you're going to be on video or anything like that. It's just imagine you're talking to one other person, not, you know, sending it to multiple people and, and just have a conversation with them. Yeah. Have. yeah. Yeah. It's just being human. You know, email is not complicated. It's something we all do all the time. For some reason, we, you know, sending an email to your sister or to, uh, you know, even a, a business colleague, you can just dash off an email real quick. Uh, you get totally blocked when you go to send it to a list of people. Right. Um, so don't think about it being, you know, some people say on MailChimp, the little uh, monkey high five is a little intimidating because it's like, did I do good? I don't know. Um, so uh, yeah, just don't think about it being thousands of people or hundreds of people. Think about one person. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about, um, I, I do see you like yourself, I'm not a connoisseur, but I do see clear trends. And one of them, especially if you you go to a possible course that you're going to sign up and they've got a, either a, a free lead magnet or they've got a free mini course and you sign up, you get a series of email. They're long form, almost always text, um, and you get one almost every day um, until you either unsubscribe or you sign up for some paid product. I, I, I see that trend almost everywhere now. Is Does it really, what's your thoughts about it? Because it kind of puts me off a bit because it seems very, I haven't built that relationship that we've been talking about. You know, uh, that, that dinner party metaphor has been totally broken, but I see this all the time. Got any thoughts about it? I think it's the audience, the the uh, places that you're looking. Uh, I'm, I'm I see, just going to the wrong places, am I? <laughs> so it is a pretty common tactic. And I tend to refer to it as the 
uh, LinkedIn white bro tactic. Uh, it's it's very common in in that space of uh, online marketers, uh, typically men, typically white men, typically men who are on LinkedIn all the time, or or Facebook, or what you know, writing these long posts, um, and they replicate that in email. It is a very hardcore marketing strategy, and it's something that was taught to a large group of people. Uh, I don't know the original yeah, method, just want, but just want to interrupt. I call yeah. it. I just call it the kind of click funnel. Um, totally. Totally. Thing. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And it's a, um, I think that the reason that I, I see it so often um, with the, that particular group of people is that maybe it's something that um, just feels more comfortable. Uh, and this could be a male, female thing. Um, but I know that, men sell in a different way than women do. And, and also men receive marketing in a different way than women do. So it, part of it is knowing your audience and knowing if that is a tactic that will work for your audience. If that is your audience and that works really well, then do that. Um, you know, follow that model. If it worked on you and you are your ideal client, then follow that model. Um, there are, people have swipe files for a reason. So, you know, download some of those things and, and collect those emails and see what that model looks like and try and, you know, recreate it in your, in your world. Um, but for, I would say for the majority of people, even, even if you are not a marketer by trade, um, people are getting savvy and we know when we're being sold to, we know when we're being marketed to. And you have to be a little bit smarter than that. Uh, so there, there has to be relationship building. There has to be room to breathe in that relationship. It's like going in on the first date and asking to marry someone, you know. Uh, that's, that's selling right out of the gate. Um, if you have the, the right audience built in, you can sell right out of the gate. Uh, if you have the, the, the right... Um, relationship beforehand, before they ever sign up to your email list. But a lot of that is more like top of funnel marketing and, and lead gen, the way that you are interacting with people online in general. Um, if you're coming in kind of cold to a large number of people and just hitting them with that, I'm not against long form emails. Um, I, I think the length of the email, it should be whatever it takes to get your message across, whether that's 12 sentences or 1,200 words. Um, you know, it, it can be anything in between. Um, I've seen over 2,000 word emails come through and I've read every single word because each word wanted, led me to the next one and I wanted well, to keep I, reading. I would never read anything like that. Right. <laughs> and so, but I wonder though, if somebody who you really admired, who really had your trust and, uh, and your interest, sent you a 2,000-word email if you would read the whole thing. Or maybe you, if they offer you an option to click through to a website, maybe you're more comfortable reading it as a blog post. Um, and so just a, it's not about the length of the email uh, and the amount of words that are in it. It's about the content. And it's about the frequency and you just have to test. Some people's email lists 
can survive a daily email and that's what they want. And that's also what they expect. You know, you're setting those expectations and that welcome email and saying, I'm going to be in your inbox every single day. Uh, And so what does that look like? Um, Setting and resetting expectations, knowing what they can tolerate, quote unquote, tolerate um, and, and testing it, test a daily email, see if it works for them, for you. Um, I have a friend who just went through this process and he was doing a daily email every day, but Sunday, and he found people weren't opening his emails as often. His open rates dropped on Saturday. So he stopped doing the Saturday. And then he personally wanted to take a little break from the daily emails. So he switched to a Sunday only. And, you know, I'm sure at some point it'll reiterate and switch back. But each time he's resetting expectations with his current subscribers and then with any new subscribers on the opt-in form, um, you know, what they can expect. And I think that that's the most important thing. Setting expectations, knowing what your audience and you can tolerate and, uh, and testing it, what, seeing what works, you know, going off of those open rates and, and the interest and, and clicks. Oh, that's great. We're going to... Wrap it up with Val, but you've been a fantastic guest, Val. I've really enjoyed the discussion. We're going to have some bonus discussion with Val, which you'll be able to see on the WP Tonic website and our YouTube channel. Um, Val's been gracious to say she can continue the discussion for a little while. But Val, how can people find out more about you and your words of wisdom? Yeah, sure. I'm at valgeisler.com. It's V-A-L-G-E-I-S-L-E-R.com. Um, you can also search Val Email Conversion Strategist and find me. Um, I show up at the top of Google searches for that. And so you can uh, head over there. I have, like I said, email onboarding teardowns there. So you can see what other people are doing and maybe what, what to do and what not to do. I talk about what works and what doesn't work. And a lot of them include swipe copy that I wrote uh, for here's what I would write instead or where you can fill in the gaps. So you can swipe that copy and use it yourself um, if those, those companies aren't using it. So you might as well. Um, and, uh, and sign up to my email list. I, I send those out to everyone. And then I also send out um, you know, those personalized conditional text emails based on the tags that you have. <laughs> well, I'll be signing up. All right. Um, Cindy, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to, Cindy? Yeah, if you're looking to create an online course and need a little bit of help uh, putting it all together, you can come find me at thecoursewhisperer.co. And you Thank want, you, well. Thanks. And if you're looking for some help with your learning management sister, Lifter or LearnDash, or you're interested in in setting up a membership website, just go to the WP Tonic website. We've got loads of resources, interviews, great people like Val. And if you want a direct chat with me, you can book that directly on the home page and it's free. And I'll, I'll see if I can help you. So that, thank you, Val. Um, and we're going to wrap it up now, folks. Hopefully next week, well, I'm sure next week, we'll have another great guest like Val that will give you some insights on how to make your online course a real success. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.